Hey, welcome to the Circle of Salt, the podcast where we use our snark to protect the occult community from itself and others. Circle of Salt is brought to you by Felix Warren, aka Dot Ass, and Rune Emerson, aka that strange man who is curled up on a pile of tarot decks in the back corner of your closet, and you're not sure why he's there. That's totes me. Yeah, that's 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 him. That's his. Uh, that's how we call him for short. So, <laughs> yes, um, that's my short name. That's my short nickname. Yeah. Just so you know, Circle of Salt's website is at circleofsaltpodcast.tumblr.com, and that's where you can go for updates about the podcast and to ask us questions, um, as well as find links to our blogs and um, see what's happening. Um, you'll find out why we suddenly have five episodes in a week and then like no episodes in two months um (laughs) that is not an irregularity that we plan to get to but you will hear um updates on you know possible delays due to technical reasons um so that's where you go to get informed um if you like the circle of salt podcast we would be thrilled if you would tell your friends and um other people who value your opinion um and also rate us and review us um on your podcast listening app of choice uh if that is a possible thing that would be super great Mm -hmm. um and if you don't like us i um okay look um this is a call-out post there's no way that you don't like us by now because this is episode number 13 and seriously by now you've fallen under our spell yeah that's like a magic number and that's just it so. so if you're here, I mean, you're ours now. Thirteen is enough to form a coven. Forward, make a circle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Enough screwing around. Let's call the corner, shall we? Yes. Um, so this is time for our first installment, um, affectionately called Hekas Hekas Este Bullshit. Today's dish of salt is brought to you by both of us. Um, sort of. And it's entitled, Limited Edition, It Must Be Mine. The reason this is like by both of us, sort of, is because I tan- I do have an opinion in theory, but let's see how much I can get a word in edgewise, because Rune has a very strong opinion here. I do. I have a very strong opinion about this entire subject. Um, okay, so today what we're talking about is limited edition objects of interest in the occult community, and then like when you invest money in getting those limited edition objects uh the really difficult stuff to get and then finding out later that they have become released for the public uh like they've been brought into you know a mainstream publisher or they've just been made available again in another run or whatever that kind of stuff um so i'm gonna start by going out on a limb and saying like flat out i'm in favor of that i am so in favor of people having ready reliable access to valuable knowledge valuable materials and merchandise i am not a person who believes that if you have something and it's very rare and hard to find that it automatically makes it better and but if it does if the reason it's hard to find and rare is because it's inherently better and therefore more expensive i feel like okay so now release a mass market edition um so i have an opinion about this i'm pointed about a demon um for example like uh the uh azoisha 
was recently released uh, again through it was through uh was it three hands or no what happened with that um i have the third edition of the azoatia but i don't remember it being re-released recently no you're the one who who bought the thing it was re-released because before it was about two thousand to three thousand dollars oh yeah yeah so there was a third edition but it wasn't that recent it's just that in between the second edition and the third edition i think you would find a drop in price however i've only found one edition that was for the price that i found it at the rest of them have been in the thousands okay so it is expensive so there's a bit of a demand for this book which is really weird like i actually have a copy of it and i'm not really terribly um enamored of it to be honest it okay so this is the problem with special edition stuff or collector stuff like if it's not really high quality stuff when you get it um it's really like sort of a diminishing returns practice if you plan on making anything else new like um when zoanan released the azoisha and released all these special edition versions of it i don't think that they necessarily understood how much demand was going to be um found for the azoisha just in its regular edition um but it was considerable to the point where oh go ahead sorry i i do want to make a mention that um I would like to be fair when it comes to them, when it comes to, like, demand for something and it's, you know, rumors of secrecy and all that. Um, PDFs of those books are found on the market um, day of print sale uh, in a rather conspicuous manner that you would suspect that maybe somebody from the inside was making sure that anybody who couldn't afford one of these expensive editions could just get the PDF. Okay, well, now that would be true. Um, I would say that, except I actually know who made the PDF for the Viridarium Umbris, and I know of the person who made the PDF for the Azoisha. Because when I was involved with Tragcraft um, and other kinds of magic that circle around that community, um, those books were coming out. Um, I have an actual copy of the Viridarium as well, and uh, it's actually one of my prized possessions. I absolutely love it. But if... I had not snapped it up for the... God, I don't remember how much it was. Like 180 bucks, I think it was, when I first snapped it up. Um, if I hadn't gotten it back in the, in the day, and I tried to get a hold of it now, I would probably have to sell a car or a kidney or something to get a hold of it. And that, it was cheaper more recently than it has been for years. Which is actually kind of sad, because the Azoisha is more expensive on the market than I the just realized... I, I mixed up the Azoesia and the Veridarium Umbris earlier. Oh, yeah. Because I was remembering the pricing for the Veridarium Umbris. Azoesia, actually, I managed to get for the same price, I think, that it was sold whenever the third edition actually came out. Precisely. Because uh, Wiser Antiquarian actually sells a lot of its recent used books like that. If right. you're lucky enough to just find it. And, like, seriously, if you're looking for a book, please cast as much magic as possible because you, you will find it. <laughs> Uh, in your price range. I do agree that that is definitely useful. However, I know that there are a lot of people who don't learn the kind of magic they need to cast until they read books like that. And that's my thing. Um, Zoanan really made me angry at the same time as I love their books because I absolutely buy them like a junkie. Um, but I buy them, I've learned to buy them when they come out immediately. Like, be on a list and get them as soon as they come out because yeah they might be expensive you might be spending 60 to 200 dollars on a copy once it comes out but give it two weeks two weeks after the the run is done after they've all sold out and that's that price skyrockets to 600 percent it's just it's terrible 
Um, and sometimes worse, like with the Azoesha, that was $2,000. Um, yeah, you know, um, with the limited approach of products like that, because they've built up such a reputation, I think a lot of the people who are buying in that first run do not ever actually plan on keeping that book. Right, and that's the thing that bothers me, because the publishing company is not themselves making any extra money off of this. Yeah, if it if its resale value is three hundred percent or you know a thousand percent of its original sale price, like that does not get any money to the original people who put out that product. Right, to the original author, unless of course they're running some sort of a shady thing, in which case, fuck you, Zoannon. Um and that's only if. <laughs> in which case, or in which case? Indeed, because I do know that that people do that. I do know that they have a tendency to like to stack the the odds and stack the deck and so on and so forth. But seriously, the information, like the the occult value of the uh, the the Viridarium, for example, um, personally for my practice was incalculable. It was an extrapolation and expansion upon all of the stuff I'd already learned about sabbatic witchcraft, um, all the stuff that I had already been kind of working with through Paul Hewson's work, all of the stuff that I had been encountering in my studies with the Anderson Fairy tradition and the Tradcraft traditions out here on the West Coast, and all the things that I had been picking up, it was an extrapolation upon them and built off of them on it in its own way, which allowed me to kind of understand how to create a, a paradigm of practice. It was based on old trad magic, um, which I had already encountered. It worked with the whole Watcher thing, you know, the whole um, Blood of Angels concept of witchcraft and all this whole thing. But it did it entirely through a concept of green sorcery, the idea of working magic through the practice of herbalism and wart cunning. And it was just brilliant. So I was like, oh, that's really great. And then I realized how expensive it was about a month after I had purchased it. Um, and it's just gone up and up and up. And I, and I had people who were jealous of me for having bought this book. And I also had people who thought that I was some sort of special person just because I owned it. Mm. When a person I knew put together a PDF of that particular book and and distributed it, mass distributed it across all of their, like, their, their occult network of friends, um, I was actually kind of rooting for them. I was like, seriously, this information should be more publicly disseminated. Not because it's initiatory information, because it's not, just so everyone is clear. It is not, like, privileged sabbatic information. If this it is were, all outer circle. Yeah, this is all stuff that you can run into just by interacting with this community. Um, not even necessarily knowing who they are. Just interact with the Tradcraft community online, even, and you learn a lot of this stuff. Like, uh, I'm sure that they have books they make for themselves that we don't know do. about. Oh, they do. They absolutely yeah. do. Like, why um, the hell would you have a publisher for yourself if you didn't do that? I particularly wonder about whether or not they're writing these books so that they have the ability to fund their other projects. And I mean, that you maybe know. the people reselling these books are doing so so they can garner a whole bunch of interest and a whole bunch of money that they can funnel towards it. And it's like it seems like it's private like sellers but they're actually members of the cultists but i don't know i don't know one way or the other <laughs> what i do know I'm like imagining like standard oil of magic <laughs> right but like seriously like you know insider trading garbage but anyways i'm not a person who is privy to that particular circle of initiation and if i was i probably wouldn't be talking about it at all as an outsider i have to say seriously you guys this is bullshit 
this is bullshit. I have a dish about this. This information should not, I'm not saying that people shouldn't make money off of it. I absolutely believe that they have a right towards their capitalism, but I absolutely, and people have right to be respected for their artistry in the craft as well as everywhere else. But I also think that this is a bit much. So when they release a, uh, a limited edition something or other and make it mass available, I am the first person out there going, remember when you guys all liked this thing? It's right over here. Go buy it. Like I'm the first person to tell people. Because I don't believe in, um, in stealing the works of a cult artist. That's because... I feel like the only time you should ever have to do that is when something is so completely impossible to get a hold of that the only way to get a hold of it is like a friend in Germany or Japan or something. Or, I mean, you've got some things where the the original work is the only copy. Right, exactly. In like, you have cases, to get a facsimile edition, then. You need a facsimile edition. You need a replica because you, you can't get a hold of the information any other way, and it might be exactly what you need. For those of us who actually work magic and aren't just armchair scholars or collectors... This is a really important thing. That particular grimoire might be exactly what we need to understand a particular operation. Oh, to get in contact with the original article. Precisely. So, I believe that these things should be more readily available. So, when they become more readily available, I applaud. Um, it is one of the biggest reasons why I have been a fan of Llewellyn and Weiser publications and so on and so forth. Um, and it's one of the only reasons, because there are a lot of times when I kind of look at them and go, you guys seriously could do better than this. This was really bad. Why did you do this? You know, because they're, they're new age and, and metaphysical publishing companies, and they have flaws. Sometimes they publish stuff that is outright cultural appropriation or racism, which often there's not much of a distinction between the two of them. Um, sometimes they publish stuff that is woefully under... Uh, researched and um, a lot of times that they will they will uh, expand upon particular subjects that are just basically not accurate at all um, but they do have their lines and actually I like in recent years I've grown to respect Llewellyn a lot more than I used to and I've grown to um, appreciate some of the difficulties of publishing Anyway, I also have um, a lot of appreciation for Lowen's deck publishing arm. Yes, which is what we're really trying to focus on now. Because there are a lot of decks out there that are really cool, and then they get made, and they're made independently. And the, that's because the artist has a particular vision, and they want to make that be a thing. And so they make them, and then those decks are published, and you only get like maybe 200 um, editions of them out there. Can I? I have some salt here. Yes, please begin. <laughs> oh God! So like, there was this Oracle deck that came out um, by somebody who's on Tumblr, and um, it was I don't know. They like letterpress their own cards or something. Oh, wow. So like, super limited edition, first edition sold out. So they decided that the deck that they put out, like, they didn't want to. Basically, they had this attitude of the, the people who originally bought this deck should be rewarded by having a one-of-the-kind deck. So they put out a second edition of the Oracle, but it's all different cards. It's completely different? And it, and it's not, yeah, and it's, it's not letterpress. It's like uh, printed in a much more mass-market way. Weird. So yeah, it's a completely different deck. So you, the people who have the original deck could pair it with this new deck and have like a mega deck. Oh. But oh, well, okay, if, I guess. 
but only the like the original deck. There's gonna ne there's never gonna be another edition of the original deck you know, because it's okay. supposed to be limited forever. So, um, Sierra Marchetti did something of a similar bent a while ago. He published a um, a Lenormand deck independently, and um, the deck uh, was wildly popular, and um, to the point now where the first edition of it sells for like. $300 on the internet um, because each edition had a different set of cards because they had different color models for each of the different like palette swaps for each card <clears> and <throat> so the mix was always a little random and so you, you know you might have the black book or you might have the brown book you might have the purple roofed house or you might have the red roofed house and so he created this deck and it was awesome because each of them was a unique artifact and I loved that um, and then he mass produced it um, through uh, through U.S. games, and it came with um, gilded edges, which I loved. And we might do a review on it later if we decide we want to bother. But um, uh, it, it it was a much more functional deck once it was re-released, and I had the first edition of it. But the problem was I didn't have the option of getting the colored cards that I wanted from the original because he just decided there was a uniform set of images he was going to sell to U.S. games, and they were always going to be mass-produced that way. Um, yeah. And that makes sense for a mass production, absolutely. It'd take a lot of coordination to basically have booster packs or, or alternate decks and like a lot of communication with the right. audience. But unfortunately, like at one point, he didn't have the original card. The, there were some extra cards that were released um, that he had released with the first edition that he didn't get to release through the second edition. They just were never going to be a part of the deck, mm. um, which sucked. Uh, that was the thing that really bothered me. There were extra cards that were already a part of his deck that didn't get released, and so they kind of ended up being uh, just part of the first edition. Um, later on, most recently, he's actually been able to re-release them, which is freaking awesome, from what I understood. Anyways, if I, I hope I've got that right. Anyways, um, so I'm like, yay! I'm a person who doesn't... I don't believe in um, elitism privilege. I believe in elitism as responsibility. If you have, like, say, the privilege of wealth, you have a responsibility to use that wealth for something that makes the world better. Um, likewise, if you have an artistic skill, you have a responsibility to yourself to follow where it takes you. But if you develop it into something that is actually a privilege that puts you above other people, you have a responsibility to make the world better so that people who were like you have a chance, who maybe didn't have the same advantages that you did. I tend to be a little communistic mentally, but whatever. Um, anyways, um, so I'm always a person who is like, okay, make it available to other people and enjoy the, the financial benefit that comes from that. Please do. Um, and then there's, specifically because occultism is about function. It's not a collector dragons horde game. A lot of people make it into that, but occultism is actually about function. It's about practice. It's about getting stuff done. And if you don't have the tools you need to get things done, how are you going to get things done? So I'm of the philosophy that occult publishers and metaphysical artists should be endeavoring to make their tools as functionally available as possible. They should be out there trying to make sure that the stuff that they make is as readily available and like ready to use as possible. Um, I just don't understand why people would bother to do it otherwise, except I run into a lot of people who are like, well, only the people I want should be able to use this. And I'm like, okay, fine. 
if that's your philosophy, don't make it readily available. Make it only available to your friends. Make it only available to the people you like. Make sure that they're aware that it exists, but make it very private so that no one even knows it's there. Yeah, and that actually does have more of a mystique around it. I want to weigh in on the why do artists do this thing, because I can give a few answers to that. As actually. an artist. <laughs> uh, as an artist. Um, so, and some of these are, there are different viewpoints on this. Not all artists um, have the same feelings on these things, or sure. even you know the same practices. So, um, I have definitely seen where you know a person decides they want to they, they they design a deck, they get it printed, they decide to get you know they can sell enough to to uh, guarantee that they'll sell 500 decks, so they get a 500 deck printing. Sure. Um, and they raise the money for that, get it over, sell it all. That was a lot of work. Um, they don't want to sell decks ever again. Okay. Um, after that, then um, you have a lot of artists who basically don't want to deal with all the business decisions and 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 administrative stuff and executive function of um, trying to work with a publishing company. Sure. And there are some that feel that it is very special that there are only 23 copies of this one thing. No, and that is actually kind of cool in and of itself if you're trying to do a spell or something. I'm very frustrated when they advertise that they made this deck or like they they only make 100 copies of a deck that's obviously got a lot of appeal and there's no real reason to just have one arbitrarily 100. Like I get I get annoyed when something is like rather arbitrarily limited but yet broadcast to all of the internet. Precisely. I'm over here going, okay, in the guise of making what you consider to be a good business decision, you've actually made a bad business decision. You've also made a bad occult decision, and I'm over here going, um, why are you dumb? So <laughs> I have a lot of bitch about all of this. I have a lot of salt to shake upon it. It is really dumb. Um, I also have a problem with people who go out of their way to collect things just to collect them because they're limited edition Oh, yeah, they never touched that deck. And now, interestingly enough, I just had a client contact me and ask for some help um, in exchange for an object that is essentially a limited edition object. And I was like, oh, well, that's really cool. And if I get it, like, well, I am going to get it. It's, on, it's being mailed to me now, actually, because I helped out. Um, but, like, once it gets here, I'm going to have an object that is... The only reason that I have it is because my friends showed it to me. Specifically, Felix, you did. But also another friend showed it to me. And it's really pretty. And I think it's really lovely. And I don't know that I will ever use it. But I do know that I will like it. But the thing is, when I have things like that, because I appreciate beauty, I recognize that occultism is about function which means i will appreciate its beauty and then if i have to find someone or if i happen to find someone who needs it i will be more than happy to let it pass out of my hands i'm not a person who has to make a whole bunch of money off of it in order to let it go on because i'm invested in the practice of magic so i don't understand this whole like limited edition vault it's just never been a thing for me i don't know maybe i'm just not very money-minded which is really true but um it's just such a strange way to, to to know whether something is worth anything. The limited edition thing is a real like it's very difficult for me because to me it's a high pressure sales technique. Yeah. Um, if you, I I really appreciate whenever people make really clear upfront in their crowdfunding campaign that they plan on getting a publisher 
after right. they do their first run. Yes. Um, or that they plan on releasing more decks and that this is just the first run and maybe they have a couple of first edition perks. Um, but like they're not going to basically say, we don't know if we'll ever print this deck again. Right. Especially if they've got like a lot of PR around their deck, especially during the campaign, like where it's obvious they have like enough demand that it's sustainable. It's like you know, I, on the one hand, I, I just don't see why you would make the decision not to just jump on that. On the other hand, I do kind of know like the mental tax that it is to to do business stuff. Sure, and I understand that whole thing. Um, I, I, I guess the whole point is I still have salt, regardless of what people's excuses are. Like, I have salt in the same direction that I also have, oh, but I know it's hard. Because, like, I, I'm on both sides here. I'm a consumer and I am a creator. Right. Um, and neither of me are happy. <laughs> right, and that's where I am, too. Exactly. Okay, well, then it sounds like we're on the same page with it. Yeah. Now, we're actually building to something on this, but let me say one last thing. I've actually already brought up at one point in this podcast that... Um, one particular method by which mass production happens is through uh, apps on like your phone or like programs for your computer or something to that effect, although apps are far more common now, thank gods. Um, and I actually am really in favor of all of the decks that I have being made into an app. And I'm actually sort of annoyed that they don't have an app out there that just lets you feed images into it. So you could just turn your friends into a tarot deck, you know? Um, and I know there are logistical reasons why that is a problem, but I also know that it is possible because I have done it before and I'm on like second life, which means that it's probably something someone could code if they bothered. Yeah, I just started imagining how to do it, even though I don't actually know Java. See, um, so it's it's something you could do. I'm over here kind of going, fool's dog, you guys have a, a responsibility now. You need to make some of these things available, especially when it's a deck that is clearly clearly better suited to the digital world than it even is to the physical world. Now, I would find it interesting if this were limited to the camera so you could only reproduce a deck that you physically had. Uh, well, I suppose. Because, like, I'm wondering if you made this a deck, like, a thing where you could you could assemble it out of any out of images, images that you your, had downloaded, phone. that one... I'm I'm curious if, there, if, a, if a publisher might make the claim that you're replicating any of their decks by just downloading them. Well, the fact of the matter is they don't really have the ability to pursue that legally, even if they had the kind of money to do it. Because if someone got a hold of those images off the internet, they are on the internet, and once they belong to a person, there's not much that people can do. It's a well, I can imagine arguments do. against that. I yeah. just like I, it's a rat bastard a... thing to do. Yeah, but it is something that people could do. I, anyway, um, I just feel like it would be an easy way to get around the problem, and you know, people could get a hold of the thing, and they could just kind of fill it in with images from you know deviant art or whatever. And you could have your own customized tarot deck. And I'm kind of surprised that someone hasn't come up with a bootleg version of this already. So if y'all do decide to do something like that, I won't be able to use it because none of my eye products are jailbroken. But yay on you for having managed to do it, if you do. Anyways, um, but uh, this is actually leading us to the point of today's uh, podcast, which is actually a Woo review. We're doing a Woo review for the Poison Cage Tarot aka Rand's mystical manga tarot and i think that do you think this is a good time to move into that um well let's talk about 
I, I want us to talk about the mystical manga edition of this first. Like, well, or basically, sure. let's talk about the origin story of this deck before we get into the. Well, the or review do we... itself, yes, absolutely. Yeah, the review. Uh, because although it's like some of these things are are. I would say are parts of the score of the review, but I think it's better if we just tell us chronologically. I agree. So, um, let's begin by talking about the about Rand's original deck, the the Poison Cage. Yeah. So this is a great deck. Um, <laughs> We're not at that part yet. <laughs> sorry, I'm like holding it in my hands. Um, you, unless you don't, unless you own this deck already, you probably won't own this particular deck. Um, right. This particular Rand, edition is Rand put out. Two parallel editions in her first edition of this deck. One was an Italian and one was in English. And yes. uh, we actually are divided on that one because I have the Italian deck. And I have the English. And um, tell us, do we want to put the, the quirk about the English in uh I kind of want to say that for the review part. Yeah. yeah. So we'll, we'll save the quirks for the review part. But um, so this deck was was um not mass produced at first it was originally independently produced by ran which was um kind of a challenge actually because she did it through her blog on tumblr and then she has another website um, well and like so she is a like a comic artist by trade right and, she's actually um, a fairly well-known artist in japan and in france where she's from yeah so. uh, she's based out of france which is also part of the reason why it's hard to get this deck because you're it adds yet another layer of complication because a lot of the stuff that she sells, she sells at events, you know, in France and Japan. Right, and we will talk um, about that more when we get into the review. But yeah. she did, um, she did actually produce this, um, which is really cool. She does a lot of other work, and it's really amazing. Um, if any of you are interested, uh, you can find her just by googling, which we're not going to do for you, um, unless Felix, do you want to post a link or something uh, at some point? Um, I was going to actually say just where the website is because it's yeah, fairly easy to find her blog. It is at poisoncage.tumblr.com. Oh, there you go. For a moment, I was expecting you to ask if I could actually Google it for them, and I was trying to figure out how I'd manage that no. if it would, like, if I would have to ask them to get a Ouija board or something. Oh, that would be funny. But anyway, channeling um, the URL into your spirit board. But anyway, um, yeah, so the, the deck was originally called the Poison Cage. Uh, it no longer and, is. Yeah, it's it's different. We're like <laughs> I can't review the mystical manga. I can only review the Poison Cage because you got an actual copy of the mystical manga. I am borrowing a copy of the mystical manga for tonight's review as a comparison. I'm borrowing it from my friend, Daughter of the Blood. Um, and hey, girl, thank you so much. Um, shout out to you. Uh, but anyway, um, so we have a copy of it for comparison here. I also talked to a person who owns it, yes. so I have I have a degree of separation between myself and this deck. Right. So we're so we're going to offer a little bit of a comparative review between the mass-produced version and the original version as part of the review. But um, let's do that when we get to the review. Do we have anything else we want to talk about here? Basically, um, the the version that we're going to spend most of our review on is the Poison Cage Tarot, and it's uh, essentially unavailable. It's the limited um, edition; you can't have any. Yeah, and so Don't you the hate mystical. How that feels? <laughs> it, it yeah, the the mystical manga tarot is basically this 
deck with basically the same images and some differences. And also, it's the size of a standard tarot deck, like a standard Llewellyn tarot, right. instead of like um, gigantic cards that Which the are, Poison Cage yeah, is. Yeah, the Poison Cage are actually really large cards. Yeah. And um, they, like for me, they require their own purse. It's not. They're not only large, but they have big margins. They do. They're big. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So um, yeah. why don't we start to move into the re- the review itself? Yeah, so basically we're going to talk about this awesome, wonderful deck that's got all kinds of great things about it. I promise you that um, getting the Mystical Manga will fulfill some of the desires that you feel because of this review. Agreed, actually. And I can second that because I'm actually looking at both copies. Yes, so. I have heard good things about it. Okay, so... With no further ado, we will move right into the Woo review in place of our Echo Chamber Azurak segment. Um, so, Poison Cage Tarot. Um, just so we're clear, the uh, original deck is called the Poison Cage. The new version is called the Mystical Manga Tarot. I refuse to call it that. Even if I get a copy of the Mystical Manga Tarot, it will be referred to as the Poison Cage Tarot. Because that's a freaking cool name. It's kind of like, you know, whenever anime was coming over in the 90s and they would dub something and they would change, like, a, a really cool name that was in Japanese to, like, a really dippy name in the right. English version. Like, yeah. Or, you know, when Nelvana would get their hands on something anime and they would just ruin it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so don't do that. Like, seriously, the mystical manga terror. Mystical manga. Fucking <laughs> Anyways, that is the one art, one objection I have to the, the mass-produced version, is they renamed it, and they renamed it something stupid. But anyways, okay, so we're going to move on. Um, so, as you guys are aware, the Woo Review has four categories. Suckery, which has to do with how sucky that particular object is, just individually, like, how low quality it is, or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, fuckery, which is how hard is it to get a hold of this thing quackery how ridiculous is the maker of this object and how clear is that through the object and like therefore how frustrating will it be to use and then daiquiri how drunk do you have to be to enjoy this thing so and we rate everything on a on a rating of one to four and the higher the rating the worse the object so that is how we do our woo review are we ready we are ready. Awesome. Let us begin with the category of suckery. How much does this object suck? So, Poison Cage Tarot, let's describe it. It is a very large deck. Oh um, my, like, um, this is a large deck with a big ass. It is. It really is. Um, it, and um, I love big decks. So, and you cannot lie? And I cannot lie. Um, seriously, I feel like if I tried to um, put this big deck in my pants, um, that would be a fun thing to walk around with. Uh, I have really large hands. That's why I like big decks. Because big cards uh, are so much more expressive. And I actually have a drag persona that I have yet to try out in public, but the um, rehearsals were really funny. Um who is a drag tarot reader and as any of you who who might be familiar um drag queens sort of look like monsters like they're 
men dressed up in incredibly flamboyant outfits that are stereotypically associated with women, but they're like glamazon women. And so like they seriously look like giant freaking goddesses. They're towering up in their heels and their crazy feather boas all over the place. And so seriously, large cards are really good for a drag tarot reader because their hands are big, but also because they're theatrical. So Did you just what? Did you go through all of that to tell us that this is a drag deck? I did that to say that as someone who is a drag queen with a beard, uh, I love this deck because of that. It's very theatrical. It, the size is a plus for me. So, I actually I would like it if these if this deck were a little bit slimmer because the margins were smaller. Right. See, and, and that's so, the other like, thing. That's, I, I would say maybe a quarter inch could be gained. And so that's the thing. One of my friends actually said to me that she refuses to read with this deck. And um, she was super excited when the Mystical Manga came out. She refuses to read with this deck. When she saw my copy of it, she didn't want to buy it because her hands are so small. And she said, literally, I it would be like trying to read cards with cardboard boxes. And I don't disagree with her. She, you know, it makes sense. And I will say, just practicality-wise, these large cards are very beautiful and all, and you can see a lot of the art. Um, but if you want to do a, a spread that has more than five cards, you're going to be looking for space. Yeah, you're going to need a table. You're going to need yeah. a big table. So for that reason, I do heartily encourage that you think of small spreads when you use this deck. Um, I have done a full 22-card spread using the Major Arcana. Um, and it took up most of the floor. Uh, I used a blanket on the floor to do it. It took up most of the section of floor that I was using. It was a fairly large area. It took up about probably four feet. Um, and uh, so I would encourage you guys, be careful when you're reading. Um, but anyway, uh, so for me, that's actually a, a, a good thing. The cardstock is actually also really solid, um, although I will point out something. This deck was originally released, when I got a hold of it, it was released in, in the Major Arcana and then the Minor Arcana separately. Yeah, I wanted to mention that in uh, Fuckery, but I wasn't sure. Maybe it is Suckery. Yeah, it's how, how much the product sucks. Ah. So, But it, there is an element of Fuckery that we'll have to talk about later. Um, but So that kind of sucks. I, I hate that. And I know the reason why it is done is because the artist makes the Major Arcana deck first and shows it off to show that they've got the skill to create a tarot deck. And then once a large, ridiculous amount of interest is drummed up in a lot of cases, they decide to make the whole deck instead. Um, and then it becomes more readily available. I have two such decks that were made in that exact fashion. And it is an element of suckery to me but i will say that it is not that bad so i'm not really worried about it but then we get down to the um english um so the the cards have words on them the ones the major arcana all do and so do the quartz and the major arcana um are all named like traditionally but there's a couple of things in this that are kind of a pain in the ass um for example i don't know if any of you are familiar but judgment, the spelling of the word judgment, is like J-U-D-G-M-E-N-T. Uh, in tarot, for decades, they've spelled it with an extra E. And it was... Yeah, that's... um. I think 
that might even be a continental thing. The, it's, the extra E in judgment, isn't that like British? Um, it's not just British. Um, it is a continental thing, but the thing is, it is a throwback um, because actually, like it was a. From what I understood, it, it was a printing error when it first came out. But some of us tarot fanatics who have been doing this for a long time kind of got used to it. Well, they corrected the spelling of judgment in this deck. <laughs> I know why. Um, but they didn't correct it well enough because um, it's not called judgment. It's called the judgment. Mm-hmm. I know why. Please enlighten the class. I will enlighten you. Um, if any anime fans who or anime or, or manga fans who've read translations of Japanese um, things talking about tarot cards are also used to this phrasing phrasing of um, yes. uh, yeah, the justice, exactly. the strength. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, <laughs> so the the Italian names of the cards, they are that. Um, they are like Il Giostoni. I like was just now looking at it, um, and like you know Il, what is it, thing for strength? Um, <laughs> Il uh, Forza. I mean, I'm looking at the Hierophant and it's Il Papa. Okay. Um, but wasn't like a wasn't that Forza? I'm pretty sure it was Forza. Uh, yeah, 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 Forza. Um, uh, Magician Zilbagato. I just got past him. Oh, he got, right, uh, he's called a he's a, he's a he's a bagatelle. That's awesome. Yeah, it says bagato, yes, but I'm sure that Italian. that's just a conju- conjugation. Yeah, thing. bagatelle is actually the English version of that of the Italian word or something like that. I don't fucking remember. Anyways, anyway, so neat. all of these, yeah, here we go, La Forza. All of these have an article in front of them, and so it's a straight translation from the Italian to the English. Right. So, and that that means that the which, Italian, which was is why. First. Which is why the the spelling of judgment is like it is because they just that's a recent it. translation, right? And it is a recent translation. Um, so that's and that's a thing. Um, however, I don't consider that to be so much of a problem because I am familiar with Japanese decks having that happen. Like I have had multiple. Yeah, Japanese it's for the decks, same reason, and they do it that way. So I'm actually comfortable with it. It's not that big a deal to me. Um, it's just something that you guys might want to contemplate, but. All of those things put together in one deck, I do have to kind of put them together and give it a rank one on the fuckery scale, or on the suckery scale for me. Um, Only because there are three different things. But those are the only things wrong with it. The art is absolutely gorgeous. It is, it's phenomenal. Um, The the cardstock is durable. It is flexible enough to shuffle. Um, it is very resilient to uh, use. I've had these for like a couple of years now, um, and uh, I've used them quite a bit. Uh, I do a lot of my Final Fantasy magic through this particular deck. And, I can see that. Yeah, because they they apply. Also, some of the art is like I love the inherently Japanese, um, like prejudice slash slant to a lot of the images. Like, this is the way the Japanese people would do this if it were in a manga or an anime. Yeah, her style is completely from a manga perspective, which is actually very common in the French comic scene. They have, like, a lot more anime-influenced art, um, or just, like, looks looks straight-up manga than um, you have in the American scene. It's more of a mainstream thing there. Well, that's good, because, like, it lent it very well to making this deck into a a quality item. So, as far as Suckery goes, the only rank I have is a 1. How about you, Felix? What's your opinion on all of this? 
Um, so does suckery, like, you just said, you said the only was a one, so none of those added up enough to get it to a two? Absolutely. Like, all of those different qualities are not enough to make me put it above a one altogether. Okay. I was making sure that we weren't counting zero. No. Well, zero is, no, zero is a rank. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, zero is a rank. We've had something that was absolutely zero. So. Okay, so if we can have zero, then yes, I would give this a one. Um, there's just enough about this deck in terms of its quality because of how it was released. Like, I c it didn't come with a box that both of the decks can fit in. Right. Like, he came in a box of majors and a box of minors because she released the minors first, and that meant that she was kind of forced to either... I thought she released the majors first. She had, yeah, majors, sorry. She released the majors first, uh -huh. but that meant that after that she was forced to either, like, sell the entire deck as the majors coupled with the minors or have all those leftover majors decks. Right. Because and who's going to want the majors-only deck? Right, exactly. So that meant that you had to buy two different decks, um, pay a lot of shipping to get it from France, um, and um, you had to be able to jump on that, because did you manage to buy this deck from the store? From the, the Store Envy store or whatever it was? Directly from, the, from her? Um, I don't remember, because I think my husband bought it for me. Yeah, like, I, I had to... I, I was keeping my eye on um, this store like every day to see like when uh, she was going to release things and then I jumped on the decks as soon as I could right yeah, um, I'm not even really sure when that was a thing um, I'm not even sure how long I've had it it feels like longer than a year but I, I don't know if maybe, maybe two years isn't long enough yeah or but it's, it's like it's like a it's a great deck but like the <laughs> um, well, we'll talk about fuckery in a minute. Yeah, we'll talk about fuckery pretty soon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for suckery, I would give it a one. I do think it is, like, and I actually do like big decks as well. Like, it's hard for me to shuffle small decks. Mm -hmm. um, like, my hands aren't huge, but I got used to shuffling um, the large edition of the Crowley Thoth for so long that um, my, like, I just got used to big decks. Right. Well, um, Crowley stretched me out, so. So we're both um, a bunch of size queens, and that's where we are. Yeah. <laughs> that's what that's what happens. <laughs> right. So now okay, well so so that leaves you at a one? Yeah, that leaves me at a one because like I, I really do think this could be trimmed down about a quarter of an inch and then it'd be good and also the cards are so big that they um they're they've warped. Right. And they warp much easier if like once you there's a certain threshold you get to where I don't think the card should be able to get any bigger. Okay. And it's beneath this size. Okay, well that's good. <laughs> yeah, just because of how paper acts, I think that uh, this is the size where this kind of just because so it's going to normally warp. Some sizes are too much. Is yeah, there's just some sizes They're that we weren't meant to achieve. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to move on from that. All right, so let's move if over. If it gets too big, it just sort of naturally tilts to the left. Really? Okay, then. <laughs> um, so, the next uh, the next um, category, category is fuckery. And this literally is about how stupid was it trying to get a hold of the thing trying to use the thing <laughs> trying to you know that kind of thing and um uh this has a fairly high rating of fuckery and except now it's available through mass production which means the fuckery rating goes down 
Yeah, okay. we're like the the old folks who had to deal with walking uphill both ways in the snow every day, and now you kids can just take the bus. Exactly. So, yeah, we had to get our poison cage by going uphill both ways in the snow with no shoes. This is not the most trouble I've ever had to get go through to get a tarot deck um, via mail order, uh-huh. but um, it, it's kind of high up there. Because there was a chance that I was not going to be able to get the complete deck and that I'd just end up with majors or minors only. Right. I had a similar problem. Um, I I can say that it wasn't the uh, worst deck, but if I'm being honest, it was actually the worst that I've had because the other one had magic on it and I was just impatient. So <laughs> I remember that. Yes. It's so the best story. This, you know, okay, it, I don't know that it actually is, though, if I think about it, because I also got a hold of um, the Bayonetta Loki deck, um, which is a majors only that came out with Bayonetta 2 only in Russia as part of the collector's edition. It literally only came out in Russia, and that's because Russia prints fucking tarot cards. Yeah. And, you know, they give zero fucks. I just keep wishing they would come out with a full deck because it was majors only, and there are plenty of images in the game to use for minors. Like, I'm not even kidding. I can I could do it myself if I had any ability. But anyway, um, so there are, it's a really cool deck. It's a really cool deck. Um, the, uh, the Poison Cage. And so it was worth it to me to do this. Um, yeah, like, I, I thought at the time that there was no chance this was going to get released again because, like, it was obvious that Ran was mostly focusing her attention on her comics. Right, which, in my opinion, is... Uh, okay, so we go back to the salt for a second. Um, <laughs> we go back to the dish for a second. Um, if you're going to make a tarot deck, and you're just you're an artist, and you're going to make a tarot deck... Occultists are going to probably want your deck unless you're a loser. <laughs> if occultists do not want your deck, then you're a tarot loser. That's true. Like, I don't think she really understood that she was going to get this kind of attention. I know that she actually has some interest in the occult herself. So I know. Well, that I she mean, is... I, she has to because the, she produced a deck that is um, functional. Awake. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but the thing is. Don't leave us hanging, you shithead. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Just like, come on. If you're going to make something brilliant and gorgeous, don't be like, okay, I've made something brilliant and gorgeous and it's wonderful and I know you're going to want it, which is why you can't have it because I'm bored and I'm going to Guam. Seriously, put it in the hands of someone else, which she did. So actually, Yeah, I was going to say, she did. Complain. Like, we this can't... isn't that particular rant that you gave. I do not think was about Ran. No, because she didn't do that. Although yeah, because like I, I, I follow her blog on Tumblr, so I know. Like yeah, she, <laughs> she didn't do that. And by the way, thank you, Ran, for not being one of those people. Um, but I do recognize that there are people who do this, and I understand that everybody's got their own life. We've all got our own shit to do. I like I, but I am one of those people. I am absolutely one of those people who gets pissed off when uh, an artist promises something and then doesn't follow through even knowing and oftentimes i i'm intimately aware that they're going through stuff like i'm still pissed off at uh at melanie ron for never finishing the uh the the uh what is it the mage trilogy what does she call it the mage guardians and stuff like that i'm the ambry series i'm still mad at her for not finishing the third book but you know what i'm not that actually mad at her i'm just mad at the situation so it's not your fault, Melanie, if you're listening, which I know you're not. So 
Anyway. Yeah, it really sucks whenever an indie artist comes out with a deck, but they're not in a position to where they can really f- support that deck right. and make it into like the big thing that, that is makes itself pay for itself. Because like it, to create a whole deck and then make that a unit that can actually be sellable and, and hit a price point people want and, and all, and, that's a and lot. kind of hit that, there's like a lot of coordination that has there to be really involved is. in all of this. And that's the thing. So I recognize that I'm being entitled when I say a lot of these things. I recognize that. Um, in case anyone is not aware, I am a witch, and witches often, once they master their basic abilities, become kind of spoiled little shits. So there you are. Um, I'm owning it's my okay. entitlement, but I'm not apologizing for it. Once you produce, once you watch me produce my deck for long enough, you'll learn. <laughs> I probably will. Anyway, so, um, so the fuckery that was involved in this is mostly gone because it's made readily available all over the world, um, thanks to the involvement of Llewellyn. And um, honestly, I can't really bitch that much about it, especially considering that when we got a hold of these decks, she didn't just send us the decks. She sent us a bunch of really cool swag along with it. Yeah, there's special cards that came with this deck that don't come with, like, you're not going to get in the low Unreal Edition. Like, exactly. y'all are not going to be able to get them. Like, you'll only see them because I, I know people have taken pictures and shown them online. Like, I've taken pictures of them before. Sure. I don't mind showing people them. Right. Um, we get, but but we got a bunch of swag. We got really cool yeah. artwork. We got um, we got uh, extra cards that explain little definitions and stuff. I think they were yeah. There's not a it, there's not a little white book. Instead, there's like a bunch of cards that came with it that have the instructions on them. And I actually love it when they do that. Like I I bought a a playing card deck. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I think it was called the Caravan playing card deck. But it has that same thing going. And I just I love that. I think that's so cool. Um, when you print out the deck, you're going to... And the reason that they do that, the reason they do it, is because they have extra cards to print. When they do the print, it never comes out so even. That yeah, you, the, the the cards are in sheets. And exactly. so they're going to end up... That's why you have those blank cards. So you paid in, for the blank Teradex. cards, so you may as well use them for something. And so you use them for... Uh, if you're doing a card game, you use them for rules. If you're doing a tarot deck, you use them for um, spreads or for um, information about the cards, or you use them for things like... Uh, Usually there's like an ad. Yeah, an ad that you might use. I, I love those. I love to use them because I can use them to tether certain kinds of spells to that deck. One thing, if you get a mass-produced deck and you do tarot magic... Um, burn the extra cards that aren't used for anything and use the ash to mark objects to make them more susceptible to your magic. Fun little tip. Anyways, um, I wouldn't do that to these though because these are actually cool in and of themselves. You can't replace these. Yeah, and so no, don't do that. Although I'm sure it would be powerful if I did. I'm not going to though, so you can't make me. But fun <laughs> exercise for those at home. Think of a way of getting around burning it. Exactly. I don't know how you would do it, but I'm sure you could figure it out. Like, Go flounce off and invent. Exactly. This is not a class. <laughs> I'm not teaching you. Anyway, so... Um, That's yeah. why I was like, you know, you just go figure it out yourself. That's like the best class it is. for me. Maybe the real class was the friends we made along the way. Yes. <laughs> anyway, okay, so for fuckery, I... We I got have, fucked around, but we liked it. Exactly. I had. I have to acknowledge that there was fuckery, which would normally bump it up to a one for me, but... We got swag as a as a sort of like a making up for it thing, and I think that it made more it more than made up for it. And now it's readily available to everyone, so that drops it back down to a zero for me. 
I, I, I rate this fuckery at a three. <laughs> Do you really? <laughs> Nothing decreases the amount of, like, even though, like, there are cool things that come with this deck, I more think about that's, like, part of the, the not suckery. Uh-huh. Um, and, um, also kind of part of some other parts of the, the review that we'll do but um like in terms of fuckery like you, you can't make the fuckery go down once it goes up is how i feel when it comes to some of this fuckery okay <laughs> and i just like knowing from other people who were trying to get this deck at the time right like just how much of a hassle it was because like it was my luck or you know my skill at having luck um see that, in that case i might yeah set it, i might personally go up to a one and that means that the average for us is a two yeah, and that's probably fair. Well, and, and I think that like a lot of the fuckery, I simply account for like the separate deck thing. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's just not smooth. And also, um, one aspect we haven't really talked about, and I don't really know about. I don't know this artist's numbers, and so I'm not going to really press this too hard. But I think that more decks could have been printed in the first edition. Oh, I would. I would be certain that that is true. But I would wonder if maybe that that was even part of the plan. I mean, I'm I'm guessing that Rand didn't realize how popular this deck would be. Yeah, I, and I think that, it, like, I think I think simply, like, there could have been more units in that first printing, and that probably would have also netted her a profit, but that's just my speculation. I don't know what the numbers were. Right, and so we can't really speculate. Um, okay, so let's go ahead and move on to the third category, which in this case is quackery. Quackery, specifically, as I mentioned before, is about how, like, how much of a quack was the artist? Um, and I, I also like to regard it as the quackery of the deck because right, yeah. Like how much, how bend over backwards are you going to have to be to even be able to work with this? An artist can be inspired by quack without being a quack. They can, and there are often like I've I have a number of decks that I rate on a higher level of quackery, even though the lore is fine, mostly because the deck itself is going to require you to like suspend your disbelief or your original attention or whatever um so one of the things about this the deck is done up uh with the uh rider weight smith symbolism as its major influence but i can see that there is some influence from the marseille the visconti and also even the thoth in the deck yeah actually there's a good mix of um different tarot schools and also from someone who would have to be educated about that so um and also ron's also doing a, a rune deck Ooh. then she obviously uses runes what? and interprets them did you just oh my god i had no idea i thought you knew about her rune deck but like you'd no seen you, i remember when you saw a card from it because you didn't like the fact that the rune did not match the word that was on the card but i think it was just because she was sewing a sample okay well that and she was just that playing around with graphic design head. Because yeah. if she showed me something shitty, then I would have forgotten it. It was she was playing around with graphic design concepts and not realizing that some of her audience would actually know runes. <laughs> well, hopefully, she most her, her her primary audience is comics readers uh-huh. and like um, specifically like um, like be shonen type gay comics. Oh, oh, um, well, I love that idea. And um, like I, she was involved. She's been involved in at least one visual novel so like that that's her audience so occultists we're like uh the weird gang at the side like you know that that is wearing a completely different style of clothing and doesn't look like they're from here um (laughs) (laughs) as usual as usual (laughs) okay well anyway so we should probably continue on with this yeah 
All right. So anyway, um, so as far as quackery goes, um, all right. The fact that they were printed separately for people who have textile issues, tactile issues, um, people yeah, who, tactile issues. yeah, that's what I meant. Not clothes, not fabric issues, but anyways, for people who have tactile issues, that might be a little jarring, not because they're actually all that off. Actually, they're really not. Um, but it might still be an issue. I don't know. You'll have to rate it yourself. Um, the the card stocks are slightly different the finish is slightly very slightly different and i have very sensitive fingers so i can tell um there it's slightly different it's slightly smoother on the major arcana the minor arcana are slightly more um what would you call that they're slightly more if it's not shiny then it's matte i don't know it's not the colors it's not the paint it's the well the texture itself the texture itself is actually what makes it um, that. Okay, well, I don't. So, I, I don't know what. Yeah, the if it's less shiny, then it's matte. Well, I, um, I I don't know what the. It's not about gloss or matte, really. Um, but anyway, the it the, might be a slightly different paper stock. It is. It's only slightly different, and when you shuffle them together, you can barely tell. I also, you know, I can work with quirks, so it's not that big a deal. Um, so that's not a big thing for me. I will say this though: they are rather large. And if you are trying to work with them, sometimes that is a bit of an obstacle for you. The, the product this... doesn't necessarily suck, but you might have to bend over backwards to find a good pouch for them, and also to find enough reading space with them for larger spreads. If you're wanting a reckoning of how big this this very large deck that I have no idea how you're going to manage to even get um, is, then I am going to measure it, and it is over half an inch taller than a Doreen Virtue deck. Oh lord, those are big. Yes. Okay, so it is bigger. Now, the Mystical Manga deck is actually a normal tarot size. It's slightly wider than normal, but only slightly. Um, yes, my hands kind of crave for it, to be honest. Yeah, it's actually a wonderful deck. Um, the font that is used in the Mystical Manga version of the Poison Cage versus the larger is much more aesthetically pleasing, and they correct all of the translation issues. So it, you won't have the judgment. You'll have judgment. Um, let me see, actually, if they spell judgment the way that they used to, or if it's been changed. Yeah, the um, font I liked better on the Italian cards. Um, like I looked at the difference between the English and the Italian. I thought the typography was better on the Italian. And that was um, the final decider for me. Oh. Like, um, I also thought it would be cool to have an Italian deck. I didn't have a choice, really, um, when I ordered mine. So it is still the the um, modern translation of Judgment, which is not a problem. But the font is much more well-placed. And um, the colors are a little less glossy. Uh, like, a, well, a little less... Um, actually, I would say a little less saturated, probably. Yeah, um, I was... One of the things that um, is kind of notable about the Poison Cage, like the, the very large original edition, is that um, the colors are very saturated and um, in a way that made me wonder if maybe she did actually want them to be lighter because she would have had she would have been able to proof a lot more um, and possibly have even better color checking when it came to the low-end process. Um, so, it, like, it, it may actually, like be better um in in, the, in her eyes right in the mystical manga edition um, or like it could be completely what she didn't want right i have no idea 
um, I do know that the the contrasts are quite stronger in the majors than they are in the minors so uh, and in the mystical manga version they're they're all pretty uniform which is nice so yeah yeah the um there is a very stark difference between those two sets in the original version right and they because she did the the majors first the difference is not as pronounced in the uh mass uh production all in all actually like i'm going to get the mystical manga version of this so that i have one i can take with me everywhere um because it's a, a nicely portable deck and it's rather small and rather cute and um the backs are pretty much the same they are oh and i should probably point that out for those of you who are interested the backs are symmetrical on both decks they're the this is one image. of my favorite deck backs mm -hmm. it is really cool looking i really like it because it reminds me this is going to sound a little nerdy because i'm a final fantasy nerd but um they look like the backs kind of remind me of the uh astrologians uh tarot card um, weapon. It's a, a what do they call it? The oh, I can't remember what it is. The astrologian's arm. Uh, it, it's kind of this metallic machine that generates cards and shuffle, auto shuffles them for you and floats in front of you. And that little circle around the middle of this kind of looks like one. So, um, that's pretty cool. And you use this deck for Final Fantasy stuff. I do uh, because of that. Um, it's very stars and and metal and all that kind of stuff and i was like oh well this is clearly my astrologian deck so anyways um so yeah as far as quackery goes you know i don't i haven't been able to find anything in particular about ran that illustrates that she herself is a quack oh goodness <laughs> but she is an artist primarily and um i don't know what her personal opinions are regarding how effective magic is so I don't know if she... She is that. aware that people, like, actually use these. Right, but I'm not really sure if she personally is attached to it, because you can always tell when a person is doing cards, when they create, a, a like, a card deck or something to that effect, and they're 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 role-playing a little bit, because they get a little bit more licensee than they probably would in certain areas. And I haven't seen her do that with this deck. Um, I guess I'll watch the rune deck and see if it changes, but she's, um, so far, she's impressed me, so I can't really you know pretend that she's not doing a really good job as far as this goes all of the symbolism in this deck are amazing and very easy to use in terms of magic and i think that um this deck is more art forward than um occult forward well i would definitely um, agree and that's where and so there's like a balance that, that i've noticed between those two in tarot decks because rarely is it like both at once it's either you get your occult or you get like your your um, your purity of art. whatever knowledge is trying to be conveyed, or you get your great art. Yeah. Like or the art being like really really present and upfront. It's really hard to to find decks that are a combination of the two, and those are very valuable. Well, and I've yeah I've I've run into to those decks where they're they're um, equally balanced, equally good. Um, I would say that the art seems to have more of an emphasis in this deck than specifically its occultism, but she didn't sway. She didn't diverge very far from the traditions, which means that the magic is really still available through the symbolic references. Yeah, and so like it's usually, not that big a deal. if someone becomes good at art, it means that they've spent a lot of time on their art, and if somebody becomes good at occultism, it's because they spent a lot of time on it. It's hard to find somebody who's got enough time to spend a whole lot of time on both. Right, and then doesn't like they aren't some sort of like douchey edge lord. 
Right. Because that unfortunately happens a lot. I've run into people who spend a lot of time on perfecting their art, a lot of time on perfecting their occultism, but all of the shit that they paint is horrible. So, eh. Anyways, alright, so so my quackery rating on this one would probably be like a 2 because of the unwieldy nature of the large cards and because of the addition of the um, the uh, the major plus minor incongruence. Um it can be jarring if you like if you put the cards together like and then you just leave them shuffled and you don't ever like like separate them into like suits again or anything like that the difference is almost unnoticeable but when you separate them out it's very clearly different like one one deck is lighter than the other one um one set is uh slightly smaller than the other one set is slightly you know it's just different card stock so eh, the quackery it's up to you to decide on that one but i'll give it a two um a little hard to say because like a lot of this is very like how would a manga tarot look like um more than it's conveying something that's like i can't think of what kind of occult message that she'd be trying to be conveying with this deck it's more about um, being in a certain style. Well, I mean, so, like, the art isn't specifically explaining, uh, I don't there's know. There's no, I, I don't feel, feel like there's a, a real mystery about this deck that... Well, I do. Like, if you look at the sun, for example, like, the sun card has two little children. Traditionally, it's only got one. But the sun that... Prov- that uh, presides over all of it has a harlequin diamond pattern on their face and that harlequin harlequin diamond pattern harkens it back to the fool who is a uh, a harlequin clown which um i believe actually um like i noticed that association almost immediately and recognized that there's clearly a theme being woven into this a story that's being told through the cards and i would love to know more about that story and i'm wondering if the magical manga or the mystical manga uh tarot book that comes with it that barbara moore wrote has anything about it in there yeah because like i'm more talking about occult mysteries well because i I think that she's really more story forward because yeah i can see that she, she's basically a manga writer and manga author right so but um, as a geek answer yeah. i don't know that i would know the difference between just like standard occult and like fiction occult because i'm like uh there's not much of a difference between modern and classic myth to me anyway all right so do we feel like we've got a good rating here have you got your rating for it um yeah i'm gonna put my quackery around too but my quackery is more based around like the the occult strappings of this right deck it's um, it's more like manga with some occult trappings than it is occultism with some manga style yeah um and i think that it's still a great deck and actually i i use stories as a, a magical basis right it's just that like i i know that the general thought on using stuff like stories and pop culture as a magical basis is considered quackery right <laughs> and maybe that that kind of biases both of us i don't know so I'm like, yeah, this is probably a quackery me. of two. I should add a quackery of one to anything that I actually do. <laughs> Aw, just auto-quack. <laughs> yes. All right, and then finally, daiquiri. Daiquiri. Okay, and remember, this particular um, category is all about how drunk do we need to be to enjoy or work with this particular deck? Um, 
I have not needed to, but I will say um, this deck can be difficult if you don't already have a memorized meaning for your royals. Right. I agree, because they give you nothing. They give nothing yeah. away. That's where I, I felt that there was no occultism being shown, because the royals are very important if it's an occult deck. And they, like, literally, uh, the royals in this deck are so... Um, they're so... <laughs> this is our entire red-headed family. This is our entire blonde-headed exactly. family. Exactly. They're just figures, and they're done up in the artistic style. That does make it a bit of a problem, and I might actually throw that back into the quackery and maybe raise my quackery rating um, because of it. But um, in terms of daiquiri, I think that actually drinking would probably make it harder to use this deck. Um, only because, like... I, I don't know how y'all are after you've had a, a daiquiri with a good like like with a solid substance of rum in it, but I've had those, and um, I'm not terribly good at interpreting things when I'm reading. Um, if I have a little bit of wine, I've learned that I can read pretty easily without any trouble, and I just kind of let things flow out of my mouth instead of painstakingly weighing everything I say. But I don't really think that this particular deck would. It would add to that, or it would would make it harder or easier. So I'm going to say that my da my daiquiri rating is a zero. Yeah, um, I'd say I put my daiquiri rating at one, just because like if you're trying to get something out of these royals, like it might help to juice it up a bit. <laughs> Let your powers flow, dear. Let your hair down. That's right, and I mean, like this is like it's a it's a beautiful deck that has like a lot of story in it, but it's also like um, I just like I, if there's like something that's really deeper to this deck, then I haven't found it yet. See, and then I will say this: I will up my rating to a one if we're specifically talking about the mystical manga version because it's smaller, easier to handle. Yeah, I really want to get the Mystical Manga now because being able to lay out more cards at once for this deck and see them all together I think would really help. I agree. Um, because like alone they don't tell a lot, but I feel that like um, a bunch at once would be kind of like panels of a comic or something. Yeah, and see, that might actually be a useful way to do it. Also, um, you can make better spreads with this, and I will say this much. This deck is born to make spreads. It's not something you want to just pull one card for. That's so boring. These The art all streamlines together well, and it will look fun if you read more than one card. So it's really sad that this deck is roughly the size of a barge, because I won't be able to do that very often. And so I really want the smaller version of it, because then I can take it out and make bigger spreads with it. And um, you maybe use it for work, because I can't do that right now. And, you know, I really hate having a super limited edition deck that I really want to be seen with. Yes, because this is actually a deck. It's a statement deck. Yeah, it, that's a good way of putting it. This is definitely a statement deck. Well, like I was saying before, it's very theatrical. Like, the deck itself makes a statement just using it. I had to get, and I'm not kidding, I had to get a like a, a, a its own purse for it, not a pouch, a purse it had to have a large object to go into that was its own that I could wear on a strap on my arm. It's got its own purse, and when you bring this with you, don't bring any other divination with you. This is the only thing you're reading with, because it's 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 a statement. It's got its own, and it's not even like a 
I don't even want to call it like it doesn't have a diva personality at all. It's a, it's certainly awake, but um, it's not going to argue with other divination systems. It's just that it's so large that you're not going to want to take it out because you won't do it proper justice. So yeah, you, it's like having that one big book. Yeah, like you, you have to just have the entire table reserved for opening that thing. Exactly, and so it's really it's a tool in and of itself. So for those of you out there who are interested in a tool that is portable but not um, not too surreptitious, the actual big copy of this deck is an excellent tarot tool for a cardomancer. Like this is a weapon that you equip to your to your character. <laughs> You know, it's it's big, and you could probably do some damage with it. You might even hit somebody with your with your cards at one point and cause damage. I don't know. Um, suffice to say, it is absolutely lovely for statement work. If you want your cards to make a big statement, um, I've even been designing a spread. The name Poison Cage. I was talking to Daughter of the Blood about this the other day, and one of the things that we were talking about. Um, was the name itself and the the visuals of the cards lend to the idea of making a spread um, that involves things like poison. I'm having such a hard time with this because it just, it's so evocative and it, it wants you to make things with it. So really the smaller cards, um, will be useful for making larger spreads but the bigger deck itself really wants you to do stuff with it um i i just get this strong impression that i need to design spreads for it and i've been trying to and they've only been going so far but now you'll have more space to work with because you're going to get the mystical manga yeah um but i really want a spread that i can that i can trot out to use exclusively with the poison cage tarot the larger oh version. with like the big the, the... because it wants to be used that's true like this if you were at a party and like um doing like three card spreads for people or something right this would be great for that you know what i'm kind of thinking is um making something that looks like a poison bottle like a potion bottle oh wouldn't that be cute i think that would that could, so i'll work yeah. on that and maybe i'll post it on my on my tumblr but anyway um but it's because it really needs its own spread. It needs its own spread, and I will have to do something with it. Anyways, um, so as far as Daiquiri goes, um, it is not an easy deck to use in terms of um, its size. So it has to be like a Daiquiri Zero for me. Yeah, either if you can't, if if imbibing makes you less able to handle these types of things and does not give you a handling advantage, then it needs to be zero. Otherwise, I would suggest at least one. There you go. Okay. And it goes up to one for me if you're using the Mystical Manga. Um, all right. So that those are our ratings. So what do we have here? So for Sakuri, um, we ended up with a, a balance of two between us, didn't we? No. Yeah. No, we were both we were both low. We were both at one. No, no, yeah. Yes. It was, it was, Suckery yeah, because was one. Fuckery was where it got Fuckery to be was higher. A, an average of two. And then then Quackery we both kind of settled at a you had a larger rating for Quackery. I had a two for Quackery. Okay. And then Or did I? I don't remember. No, I had a one. Um you had a zero. That's right. Okay, well whatever. And then <laughs> and then um Daiquiri is like a one or a zero, depending. Okay. So now you've heard our review for it, but now it's 
time to put it through its paces and move into the third phase of our podcast, aka Celtic Crosshairs, wherein we answer questions from our fans. Um, and there weren't that many questions this time. Where are y'all at? Well, I think that um, I'm going to like make a better way of getting questions. I'm going to try to make like a form that people can fill out. Oh, that would be good, and y'all should definitely fill it out. Yeah, it may even be there before this episode is um, actually published. I am not sure. But before we answer any questions, Felix has some info for you, and yes. um, you don't even need giant extra-large cards to answer it. People of the future, if everything <laughs> is still the same about Tumblr in your Earth, then you should go to circleofsaltpodcast.tumblr.com slash ask and you can ask us questions and we might answer them on the podcast with our cards. People of the future? People of the future. <laughs> uh, okay, so... It's going to be at least, like, I'd say a month until they hear this. That's true. So. That's like... If by that point, like, we'll probably have um, Samuel Jackson as president. Right. I, I just love that you turned this into the uh, fruity, the fruity rumpus asshole brigade or whatever it was. <laughs> oh yeah, fruity rumpus asshole factory. <laughs> that thing. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I'm past past Felix. Okay, and I I am most uh, assuredly uh, future rune. Oh gosh, this got really weird then. Yes, I'm doing this just to mess with you. Anyways, so we got to move on. Uh, yeah. All right, so let's do this. Uh, let's answer some of our questions. What do we got? We have got from ESP Challenged. ESP Challenged. I like that name. I have just been asked to figure out how to get everything in my office moved from one location to another by the end of the month, and I'm no good at telekinesis. How do I learn... <laughs> Yeah. How do I learn how to levitate objects within a short time frame? And that is from ESP Challenged. How do I learn to levitate objects within a short time frame? I want to know that, too. Let's see what the cards say. Yeah, I figured that you would just literally ask that. Seriously, I love telekinesis, and I want to learn it myself. Although, how far apart are the locations? Because you might not be looking at telekinesis. You might be looking at full-on teleportation there. Um, I can tell you from some inside knowledge that it is within the same city. Within the same city, but is it within the same building? No. Well, there you go. See, teleportation it is. Unless you want to have a Jean Grey episode, uh, like the adventures of Jean and Scott, I think it is, from uh, from Max Wittert, where she where Jean is literally incapable of even, like, getting a glass out of the out of the kitchen because her telekinesis is just so exhausting (laughs) she just she's like i can't please scott and he's making dinner he's like could you just get up and go get it (laughs) it was really funny all right let's go ahead and see what they have to say to you i'm going to try out a a spread format and see if i can come up with something while i do this i'm going to base a spread on exactly what you just said what okay first card I can't. I just can't. <laughs> that is the Six of Pentacles. And then, why don't you just get up and go do it? <laughs> is the Four of Cups. 
and so. Okay. So what what do you got? I'm gonna analyze that. What was the first question frame does? Uh, I can't. I just can't. Yes. Um, I ain't getting paid enough for this shit. Oh, is that what you're getting? Yeah, it's the Six of Pentacles, and it's the classical-looking Six of Pentacles, I think. You know, Why you can't is you're not getting paid enough. Yeah, it's it's basically like, and also they're they're asking quite a lot of you, um, and so it's just simply like, you know, what, how, how do. Um, <laughs> and um, the the opposing, or that's basically the setup, like how you got here. And then we have... Um, why don't you just get up and do it? Like, get up and get your glass of water. Oh, my God. Um, so, basically, this is what you could do anyway, um, is the Four of Cups. And that's kind of... Um, release your emotional attachment to the stupidity of this situation. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> like, get like get rid of, like, that anger and frustration. Like, maybe even use that and just throw it as witchcraft at something. But, you there know... You just move on to the to fourth cup instead of doting on these three cups um and that will help you get to the point where you can actually tactically plan out how this is going to go okay or do something better with the situation well my reading is a four card reading because Mm -hmm. i decided to try to make a potion bottle out of them and it looks kind of cute so i'm going to go ahead and use it yeah. Um, this is your how to develop telekinesis and solve your problems potion. Yes, Rune took a completely different direction than I did. <laughs> Shock. I, I wonder if it will actually work, too. That's pretty funny. Anyways, so we have um, the Eight of Wands, the Queen of Coins, and the Page of Swords to solidify all of it. So, specifically, the first thing that you're going to need is lift. You're going to need something to lift things with. Um, which is a like a dramatic outpouring of effort and power. Then we have the Queen of Coins. We're going to need somebody who can actually navigate and sort everything out and someone who's kind of in charge. Someone who is uh, good at managing resources. You're gonna. It sounds like you're going to need help. And then you've got the Page of Swords showing somebody who gets the word out, who um, goes out and talks to people and gets everybody to... Um, help and scout and so on and so forth and then the person who is drinking this the the significator but also the one who takes in the benefit of the potion here uh is the queen of swords which uh honey uh esp challenged y'all are a bitch (laughs) which is awesome but um because you're clear-headed and you're um rational and you're focused on cold details um, but it does mean that you're a bit hard to deal with, which is probably why you need the help. You're going to need someone to be a front person for you. So, looks like you're going to need at least two people and um, a whole lot of lifting power. So, those are what I recommend to you. I don't see how those actually make telekinesis, though, so damn you, Poison Cage, you've let me down. Telekinesis, aka some people to just do it for you. Right, exactly. Literally, like, l- moving things without touching when them you wave your hand things, things move. move exactly the queen said and so now they move all right so let's go ahead and move on to the next question the second and the last question yes oh is it the last okay yes all right cool who is this uh this is special k oh, our fan of course it is your fan special k and your fan special k would you like me to read this to you yeah go ahead and read it 
Okay. Well, I want attention and nobody comes to my blog to ask me things. What can I do to conjure up some new friends? Really? We actually know who this person is, and this yes. is the unimpressed face right now. So, Amused, but unimpressed. <laughs> you have a direct hookup with this person. Um, are, are they are they trying to just promote their blog, or are they seriously asking for a divination? Um, from what I understand, they are actually looking for divination. I don't think they want okay. us to promote their blog. All right. So now we c- he he can basically like they can have a a, a hipster blog. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Like it's so underground that you don't know about it, but you want wow. <laughs> You want attention anyway, but you don't want to. You don't want to give up your hipster cred. That you know what? I'm going to tell him that that's what you that that is actually what the cards are saying. That he's a hipster and he whines. Um, all right, let's see what the actual cards say though. Uh, let's see here. How can they conjure up some friends? Maybe this one will be a cooler potion bottle. Maybe not. I'm just shuffling my Antarctica-sized cards. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. Remember how I told you this is like a Final Fantasy deck for me? Like I do a lot of Final Fantasy magic with this? Yes. So, literally, I got the Queen of Cups, or the Ace of Cups, and it totally reminds me of Yuna from Final Fantasy Oh, X. Yuna! Alright, so what do we have here? We have the three of pentacles. Hmm. Oh god, they're being salty. Okay, that's nice. I like the salty. Okay, so I have my answer is so the card the the cards are the King of Cups inverted, the Ace of Cups, and then the Three of Coins. So literally, maybe stop whining about it and actually post something. The Ace of Cups says, um, begin something, start something, give something, get, put something that people will want to look at, and use your in, use your wisdom and your intelligence and your skill, because you are pretty well respected for your skill. So try that. The card that came up for you, by the way, Special K, is the King of Swords, which I find hilarious, because it is absolutely not the card I would associate with you. But I'm sure that you will be able to get behind it anyways. So, um, yeah, if you're going to do the strategy thing, then do something to attract attention and maybe stop whining about it. So, <laughs> I got Il Begato. Uh, what's that? That's the magician. <laughs> <laughs> That's a card I would associate there with are th- you. There are, there are three cards here. That is the first card. Il Begato. So, Il Begato um, is literally an indication like, look, if there is anything right now that you don't like in in this blogosphere, simply set it on fire. I think that he would as your that. first step. As as your first step. That actually as your first step. Accurate. Go ahead. Yes, burn down anything that you don't like, um, and that way. The brush is clear whenever you want to build the thing it is that you want to build because the next card is the Four of Pentacles, which is you need to establish your territory. There you go. Like, you need to actually have your blog as an established place for something. You need to stand for something. You need to kind of have a secure place that is your own. I don't want to, like, say it's a safe space because that's not what it is. It's your castle. That makes sense. 
Um, and <laughs> third card, Red Despada, okay. the King of Swords. <laughs> Sorry, I'm really loud right now. <laughs> that is really funny. <laughs> Take your domain and rule it with an iron fist. But um, I guess... also seriously, with by that he means rule it with the sword, which is the pin. Yeah. Okay. So like you're you're you're. Yeah, the the king is mightier. I, no, I said the penis mightier. <laughs> I like it. I, I like it because that can translate into the king is mightier. Yeah, there you go. It's like the card. So, just basically entirely what that is all wave about. Wave your sword around. Yes, wave your sword around, but you're gonna have to do it with words. Well, because like, if you want anything blog, to so. show up, yeah, in that territory, it's gonna have to be blogged. Hmm. Well, there we go. So now you've gotten your answer, special K, and hopefully, hopefully, it helps you. <laughs> All right, so that's all of our questions, and now you've had a taste of the Poison Cage, and you've heard our review of it, so you can decide whether or not you want to buy it or not, and I personally recommend that you do, and buy a second one and send it to me, um, because you love me. And that is pretty much all we've got to say about this, I think, right, Felix? I have one more suggestion for a uh, discussion point, since we have very few questions. Okay. And this is a very interesting topic because we're both deck collectors. Sure. Um, since now the Poison Cage is uh, no longer limited edition only, and us deck collectors can no longer claim our precious is the only precious... Um, what other deck do you have that's similar to this that isn't like the silhouettes because you've already talked about the silhouettes what other deck do i have that's limited edition that is limited edition and and has not had a mass market release yet oh well maybe even like one that you want to see a mass market release of Ooh. well i mean i would like to see a mass market edition of the uh of the the second edition of the of the silhouettes um let me think here as far as collectors decks go or decks that are that are relatively hard to find um i don't know like most of the decks that i have are actually mass produced oh why do you ask I was just curious because um, that's kind of like the the success story for the the poison cage but um you know, there's always there's always stuff that I'm backing where I don't know whether it's gonna like get big or not, right? Or whether it's just gonna be that one edition, or like there's one I have like a super limited edition. I have the Idiosyncratic Tarot, right? Oh, that would be a really good one to expand. It's so great, but she does not want to ever make it mass market, and well, so I mean, everybody like, has their preference. Yeah, it means that I, I I love this deck, and I think that I would love to recommend this deck to so many people because just like it's so good at what it does. Um, but I can't because it's a limited edition. Right. So, like it it really sucks, kind of because a lot of people kind of look to me as a teacher, right? Um, or like a semi expert, and so no, I you know I want to look at you as an expert, and they're right. So. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I guess that is true. Yeah. Um, so like they're looking they're looking to me for advice and like you know so a lot of my advice would be oh you get the idiosyncra deck it's like a very friendly deck that I think anybody could like learn lots of tarot with and it's like oh, oh but like 
but I can't recommend no. that. Damn it! And I mean, she 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 did two editions. Um, so she didn't just have like the one first edition where it was right. super limited. She gave you another chance to get it. Um, and that's when I jumped on it and I got mine because I did not get mine from the first edition actually. Well, you know, like see, that's kind of the thing. Um, I I my personal opinion now is that I, I I'm more focused on decks that I already have that are like regularly available to people in physical form um you know they're mass produced or whatever at least they're easily purchased um getting onto the digital format you know i'm more concerned with tarot apps than i am with physical tarot at the moment because i get a hold of the physical tarot and then i'm like but i don't want to always take it out of the house Man, you know, I really would like a lot more of my decks to be available as apps. Like, I don't think about that a whole lot right. because I don't use apps a whole lot, but the, one of the reasons why I don't use apps a whole lot is because my favorite decks are not apps. Right, and see, um, one of the things that I've noticed about that, there are some decks that are really neat and formatted interestingly, like, for example, the Starlight Dragon Tarot, which, by the way, it's by... it's. Uh, Nora Huska and uh, Steph Engert, and it's really gorgeous, and it was independently printed, and it comes in its own box, and if we both had it, I would totally suggest it for a podcast. Um, but it's, they're diamond-shaped. They're, they're square, and they're, they're on the diamond axis, as opposed to, like, the flat axis. Um, and I really like that, and it lends itself to neat formatting, and I just feel like those would be good apps to create, because the formatting is so interesting, you know? You know what would be really cool is a tarot app where you could kind of just infinitely scroll. Oh, yeah, that would be cool. Like Pinterest style almost, but just, you know, whichever way. Maybe. There'd be like some sort of way that you could just tile it. Like I just, I, I think that would be really cool to be able to... to Create these really kind cool of, mosaic type things. Yeah, like you, you could, if you go one direction, you know that you're not going to end up going in another direction, and so you're, the way that you, direction that you read in kind of changes the reading that you get. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and of yeah, course. Well, I hope an app developer listens to this podcast so that these apps developer. just come out in like two months. I agree. <laughs> um, one of the ones that I really think needs to be turned into an app is the Universal ta- Transparent Tarot. I think I may have mentioned that. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Um... The transparent parent tarot. The universal um, transparent. There are like three transparent decks, and this is the oh one gosh. that's kind of done up as a mosaic pattern tile thing. It's really cool. And oh yeah, yeah, I think I've seen that one. I just don't understand why people haven't done something with it already. It's it lends itself so easily to it. I love it. Man, that's interesting to think of that as like yeah. There's I haven't seen like usually I see tarot apps kind of touting that they have like you know more translations or more. Um, guides and like journaling capability and mm-hmm. um, or they make glowy effects on your tarot cards like if you like you know look at your tarot cards through your phone camera or something right and like that that's all work to me <laughs> um, <laughs> why work not work <laughs> I have an imagination so I don't need that app um, and you know, I just I'm not that interested in journaling, and I'm especially not interested in journaling into my phone. Right. Um, so you know, when it comes to tarot apps, something where it does something really dynamic with the app that I can't normally do with a deck would be really cool. Right. And that's see, that's kind of what I'm looking at. Um, what I'm looking at is less about specific decks that I want to see mass produced, and more about things to be done to various tarot decks and so on and so forth that would make them cooler. 
so I tend to be like that. Um, the that's that's just kind of how I think. I tend to be. It would be so much that. easier to make an experimental form of tarot decks if you um, were releasing them digitally through an app that could basically take any digital tarot deck. Right. You know, I would I would be totally into that. You know, I would also be really into is just like I don't know. We're we're in the modern age. Why don't we do something like make sort of a like a three dimensional oracle? You know, like you can use your phone to look at it through VR, through AR, or something like that. And it just sits there and it spins multiple different images from your phone, maybe, or just in general, like all kinds of different ideas. And you can use it almost like a crystal ball kind of a thing. There are all sorts of possible images and ideas. There, are, I have tons of ideas for this stuff, and I used to make some of this stuff on Second Life. So, I don't know. But anyways, yeah. That's so. I guess that's opinion. that's our when it comes to things that we're looking forward to yeah kind of thing because i mean we got the poison cage mainstream which i was thrilled to hear that she made it um to where she could have this as a mainstream deck and i didn't think oh well now my deck's worth less because actually i know that as a first edition it's still like worth blah 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 um yeah i don't even care about that like, I just do not... I'm going to die with my tarot decks. I don't really care how much they're worth. Right? They're all going into the into the crypt with me. <laughs> yes. Which is sad, because, like, I'm over here going, I want to keep all of my tarot and all of my magical tools when I die, but, oh, by the way, just cremate my body and turn it into glass. Wait, I want to have, like, a really creepy crypt, but not actually be buried in it, but I just want it to be a creepy crypt, because I want people to just, like, you know, illicitly sneak in there to do rituals and pretend that not everybody knows that's what they're doing. I mean, I'm almost certain that's going to happen anyway. Yeah, I just, I want to ensure it, so yeah. why bother putting a body in there? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Bring your own body. Your Felix is in another castle. <laughs> <laughs> BYOB, I love it. Bring your own bones. Anyways. Felix is an ascended master. He Aww. leaves no remains. He, and by ascended master, I mean that we turned him into glass and put him up in the attic. <laughs> <laughs> because you know. You know our friends. You know what they would be like. That's the kind of shit they would do. They'd be like, he's ascended now. We put him in the attic. <laughs> Alright, so um, I suggest that with ending with that sort of grim joke you take um, a can of morton salt and you draw a circle around your house but not on the plants just on on the rocks and 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 and, and when when you complete that circle just go into your house and um maybe the circle of salt protect you 